Welcome to the Christian Campfire Conversations podcast, where we have real conversations about real topics. Our goal is to educate believers in order to fulfill the Great Commission. So without further ado, let's get on to the podcast. What is up, my basic family? We are here with another episode of C3, and we are joined again by Pastor Tim and also Keegan. Just Keegan. Not good to see you, sir. Glad we could have that interaction. <laughs> no, we, Tim has been gracious enough to stick with us again for another episode, and so we are very thankful for his grace and mercy and allowing and wanting to stick around for another episode. <laughs> we didn't scare him off in the first one, so if you haven't listened to it yet, you better go listen to it. <laughs> but it's obvious if you're watching on YouTube that we're wearing the same clothes, so we recorded this on the same night. Um, but don't be, we're, we're not talking about mentorship again. I swear we're talking about a different thing. If you guys heard about Tim, Tim has been our pastor at Morningside for, for a number of years now. And so we are th- very thankful for him and his ministry. And, you know, this week I was like, Tim asked me what, what we were going to talk about. And I was trying to think. And, and ultimately I decided on, you know, kind of like advice for my generation, which is typically, I mean, you listeners... Most of you are in the Gen Z area. If you're not my family, you're in the Gen Z. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, what, like, what's some advice that you could give the younger generation? Wow. What an opportunity here. Just (laughs) throw a question like that out at me. Um, You got 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try not to sound like a cranky old man uh, as we go through this. So I'll keep my, my complaining to a minimum. Although, uh, honestly, uh, I, I know a lot of folks in Generation Z that give me reason to be optimistic about the future. So, uh, so there are a lot of good qualities. Um, you know, one piece of advice that comes to my mind pretty quickly would be don't be afraid to rethink many of the ways that older generations have done things. Um, I, I think especially in terms of our American culture and American society. Um, just to get a little more specific with that, one perfect example and one thing that really has been encouraging for me to see uh, has been the rethinking of what to do after high school. Uh, you know, for so many years in our country, it's just been this huge push to send everybody off to college and in in recent years I I think we're starting to see people recognize that's just not a great fit for everybody and and so more and more people I think um, are having the uh, the courage to rethink that and to think well, well what could life after high school look like for me, right. you know, if, uh, you know, if I don't go that route, that would just be one example of what I'm talking about, but really almost man, society wide rethink the way that the generations before you have done things, um, I rethink things like work-life balance. That's another thing that I think we're starting to see from Generation Z as well. That, that is another encouraging trend. That, you know, a lot of people in Gen Z don't have the life goal to be a workaholic. You know? Uh, they would like to not keel over at their desk from a heart attack if they can avoid it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think that's fair. Yeah, I think in some ways, unfortunately, some people in Gen Z have kind of had to learn that the hard way, Mm -hmm. you know, where they've maybe uh, suffered the drawbacks of parents who did not have a good work-life balance. And, you know, they, they, they probably saw that and the effects of that in their own lives mm-hmm. and are now turning around and thinking, man, there's got to be a better way to, you know, pursue my career. There's got to be a better way to, to balance <clears throat> all of this. And, 
you know, Keegan over here is a, a great example of rethinking what life after high school might look like. Yes. <laughs> and I think the, the one of, I, I'm only speaking from my own experience and I'm a, a fellow Gen Z-er, so uh, just uh, take a my, zoomer. yeah, just a Zoomer, just take my advice with a grain of salt. But I think where um, my mindset comes from is I have a, a mindset of curiosity. I, uh, I want to learn and I realized that learning wasn't only in college. Uh, as the myth that was commonly fed to me and people my age, and yeah, as a little bit of encouragement from someone who's done it, there is hope of a successful life outside of college. I tell people that I want to make money trying to figure out what I want to do rather than spending money trying to figure out what I want to do going into thousands of dollars of debt to uh, do something that I maybe want to do. <sighs> yeah, Max, <laughs> you know, Calvary's just hosing you over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got mommy and daddy paying for it all, uh, so it's fine. Glad you haven't seen a day in work in your life, boy. <laughs> Max is a trust fund baby over yeah, here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I've been uh, lucky enough. I got parents to help. I have done my fair share of working, but my parents are gracious enough to help me out a lot through that. Just because they know that um, ministry isn't exactly a money making business, and it shouldn't be. Oh, you know. you're saying it should be? Is that what <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I don't think it I don't think it should be. Just, you know, pastors driving up in sports cars, you know. But um but I you know, they've been gracious enough to help me out. But I think that's a good piece of advice and something that, you know, that you've said along those lines is, you know, we've had a lot of younger kids that we expect going into the workforce that have never done the job. You know, and so how yeah. do, how do you go around that? Or how do any you, job for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go around that? How do you, you know, get some job experience without, you know, maybe someone just go find a job. In right. That yeah. Yeah. Internship. I mean, yeah. How are you supposed to, you know, get your feet wet? It's yeah, it's kind of a strange setup we even have with college and in, in, in that you're supposed to start pursuing a major in a field where. Yeah, you, you probably don't have any experience in that field yet, you know. Um, so it's kind of an odd, odd setup, the, the way that we do that. But, uh, you know, I, if I could make a spiritual point here, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm welcome to do that, right, on this podcast. <laughs> oh, not in our campfires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not in our statement of faith, but... You, you know, one, one, <laughs> what, what are the main reasons why I give that piece of advice about rethinking the way that the generations before you have done things is that I, I'm just not sure that my generation and above have done a great job of showing you how to avoid loving the things of the world. You know, that that's, that's what we're told to do in first John. We're, we're not supposed to love the things of the world. Uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, because those things are temporary. They're passing away. They're not going to last. Um, and, and you know, this, this is perhaps only natural for Americans over the last 70 years. You know, we have been the most prosperous nation that this world has ever seen, ever and so naturally, we have faced all kinds of temptations to get too concerned about building a wonderful life right now, you know, in, in the here and now, and, you know, trying to grab the, the blessings of, of this world with both fists and hang on to them as tight as we can. And so I'm, I'm just not sure that we've always done a great job of modeling for your generation what it looks like to have a focus on things that are truly lasting. And of course, you know, uh, our, our Christian faith uh, tells us w what those things are, right? You know, uh, people, the service we do for the Lord, the, uh, the, the glory that is in store for Christ when he returns. Uh, these are the things we really need to be focused on and... So I, I, I really would encourage 
you Gen Zers out there uh, to just think so carefully and so thoroughly about whether the example set for you uh, has been precisely what it ought to be. One thing that comes to mind, um, a, an easy way to measure success is money. And I think that a lot of, that's not, a, before I go on with what I'm saying, that's not always what success is based on. What I am saying is society has fed to a younger generation that if they want to be successful, they better go make six figures. Um, for me, I am somebody who's driven by money and naturally a, or driven by success and naturally a, a something that shows success is money in ways. How do we balance that of, yes, I want to have a good career where I make a good amount of money, but we also know that it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of an eye of a needle for a rich person to, how does the rest of that finish? But a rich person to make, <laughs> is it to make it into heaven? heaven. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, so how do I balance that? Because I, Sounds like you can't be rich and be in heaven. I know that's not the case, but <laughs> right, right, yeah. We yeah we do have to remember the scriptures tell us it's the love of money yeah. that is the root of all evil. It's it's not money itself, but it's the love of it, and and, and certainly I I think we should have a desire to see the work of our hands prosper. You know, if if you own a business, you ought to desire that it becomes more profitable, right? right? That it becomes more prosperous. That would then give you opportunities to um, maybe give people a job, hire on some employees. That might give you opportunities to uh, be generous with those profits that come in. Obviously, we ought to desire the work of our hands to prosper in that way rather than uh, die off, right? We don't, we don't want right. to see it decrease. But it, it's it's all about our motives and our goals. What's my motive for doing that? What's my goal for doing that? Right. Um, you know, why, why do I want to see this business take off? Or, you know, if I'm working for somebody else, why do I want to be successful in this career? You know, where I might be able to gain, you know, a promotion and, and have a, a position of greater influence in this company. So much of it just comes down to motivations and goals. And, of course, there's a, there's, there's a big trust element in it, too. You know, uh, our, our Lord told us that we're not supposed to get ourselves all anxious and worked up about how we're going to see the needs of our lives met. He's told us, I, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you the necessities of life. And so your focus instead should be on uh, living for uh, the values of the kingdom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and pursuing those goals rather than uh, goals that you know would be completely the same as any unbeliever around you. Right. One, one thing that uh, that's helped me um, as a Gen Zer to grow is reading my Bible and praying are two things that are extremely important. Can you explain how somebody can form a, a reading plan, a habit that they read or dig into the Word on a, on a daily basis, and then how to structure those uh, those prayers um, and how to become consistent with that as well? Sure. Yeah, we're, we're living kind of in a golden age of resources for right. studying the Word. Uh, there are, there, uh, as you probably know, I mean, there are there are printed copies of the Bible that you can get that are already divided up into like you know manageable daily readings and and that sort of thing. Um, uh, a big key in that is understanding why that's so necessary mm. and why it's so valuable. Um, because let's face it, I mean, we all end up investing our time in the things that we are convinced are valuable right? and that we're convinced are good. And so we, we have to be convinced of the need for that. 
And uh, then beyond that, I think tailoring that kind of discipline to your own life uh, where, you know, you don't feel like you have to copy what somebody else does, you know, um, you know, maybe for example, you hear about all these people who, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I wake up early in the morning, first thing in the morning, and you know, I've got my cup of coffee, and I've got my Bible in my hand, and, you know, maybe that's just not you. Uh, I mean, may, maybe that is not the best time of day for you to pursue that kind of thing. So, you know, don't be afraid to to tailor that kind of discipline to your own life. And then, as far as, you know, the prayer aspect that you mentioned, Keegan, one of the best things that you can do is to get with some older Christian and listen to how they pray. Yeah. You know, learn by, uh, uh, by following <laughs> someone else's example. So you might say like a mentorship? Uh, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Or you discipleship, know, a, whichever a mentor, We should do a podcast episode about oh, that. Oh, we will. Oh, yeah, uh, we, we have. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Convenient. <laughs> Insert podcast episode number here. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. click up in the left-hand corner, you get the link to that video. <laughs> That's interesting, though. I've never, I don't know if I've ever really heard that piece of advice before, but to learn, you know, like different ways to pray from someone that's, you know, older than you. And I, I think, I think I've heard you say this before, but, you know, we've taught, well, you, someone said this, you know, that you tend to pray like the people in your life. And I think that's kind of what you're touching on, you know, is like, you know, sometimes I see myself praying the same way as my dad has prayed. Right, you know, before yeah. meals, it's it's kind of you know faster paced. You know, he's I can tell Very he's fast. Kind of, kind of, I can tell I can tell you know his stomach's growling a little bit. You know, and then you know sometimes I catch myself praying. You know, more catered towards you know, and of course I have my own personal element to it. I mean that's obvious, but you know more like how you would pray on a Sunday morning. You know, kind of the flow that that has and the things that. You know, I have heard you say before that, you know, I picked up on and things sure, like that. Sure, yep. So I never have heard that piece of advice before, but I've seen the product in my own life. Right. It's kind of funny. There's uh, one person that I know who is around our age, but he prays exactly like his grandpa. And I, every time he does it, it, it just cracks <laughs> me up. But his grandpa is someone that's extremely important and uh, a good person to follow. So at least he's found somebody that's good to follow. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how that happens um, where we do things without noticing it. And then somebody puts it into words like, Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just one thing I want to stress is that there are, there are very few way, ways to pray wrong. It's, it's a very, inf- it can be a very informal conversation with God or sure, it, sure. it can be, um, something that's formal i think the thing that's really important is that you feel that leading from the holy spirit guiding your prayers where they need to be and one thing i noticed for my personal life is i used to only pray for myself you know that's what i mm-hmm. and that's when you see god as a transactional god as some you know i'm gonna do this for you and you do this for me i'm gonna pray for yeah. what i want and you're gonna give it to me as a genie in a bottle and then I started doing the opposite. I started praying for other people, and then I forgot to pray for myself. And I'm yeah. like, okay, there needs there there has to be a healthy balance somewhere in here. So for me, what it looks like is writing down a list of, of prayer um, requests that I have for for my own personal life, starting with other people, um, praying for them first, and then moving on to myself. I don't want to put myself on a higher platform than them, but. Both things are very important, so don't forget either either one of those. Um, and like I said, there's very various different styles of of prayer for each different person. But do you want to explain a little bit why that's so beneficial to hear uh, older people pray? Well, I think part of it is because you know when when you maybe encounter prayers in the Bible. Uh, for example, the Apostle Paul in several places mentions the kinds of things that he uh, prays for when he's praying for, you know, some of the different churches that he, he has ministered to. And, you know, 
uh, quite often it incorporates some of that uh, scripture language, the the big fancy words that uh-huh. you know uh, seem kind of intimidating, sanctification and things like this. Those words that we feel like we're supposed to know what they mean, but oftentimes we don't <laughs> know real well. What Smile they mean. and nod. And so there can be a a certain degree of intimidation there. If you think, well, my prayers need to incorporate these big fancy words, and, you know, this is exactly what my prayer needs to sound like. But when you, you hear someone, a flesh and blood person right in front of you, and you get to listen to how they pray, in a way, maybe this sounds... Like a funny way to say it, but you can almost learn to give yourself permission to use vocabulary that maybe doesn't sound exactly like what you encounter in scripture. Yeah. Um, and, and you also, I think, can get a sense of the passion that those people have yeah. as they pray to where uh, you start to hear from them, man, this is. This is, this is a real thing. Like they, they pray as if they're actually talking to God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are people you can just tell like the spirit is just oozing out of them, and it's, and it's just only magnified when they pray. Those are some ex- like extremely great people to look up to. Um, I can think of multiple people in my life like that that I uh, just really admire for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with those people, you probably know that you're safe to pray however it comes naturally to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to be encouraging. Uh, They're not, you know, they're not going to throw cold water on your efforts to pray. They're just going to be excited to, to pray with you and hear the things that are on your heart and mind as you express those to the Lord. So it's really just kind of that principle, and I, I don't remember exactly where uh, the Apostle Paul says it, but he says, you know, imitate me mm-hmm. as I imitate Christ. Yep. It's really just kind of that principle uh-huh. um, in, in the area of prayer. Yeah, that well, you can, oops, you can No, no problem. I mean, you can, you can kind of learn to take your, your baby steps in prayer by imitating the people that you listen to. But then, of course, you know, that's going to then just open up the whole horizon of prayer to you um, to where, you know, you'll, you'll become more comfortable with it yourself and your prayers won't sound quite as much like, like your grandpa's maybe they, <laughs> they did at one point. And, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, while we're on the topic of prayer, we can kind of move on after this, but can you just kind of distinct... Uh, you just uh, just uh, differentiate between what public prayer looks like and what private prayer looks like, because the the Bible definitely puts draws a line in between both of those, and so kind of just show how those are different and how they should sound different, probably. Yeah, I I think with public prayer, you know, of course you have to be mindful of who you're praying with, uh, you know, who is listening to your prayer because you are supposed to try to give them the opportunity to affirm what you've said. Uh, That's actually what it means to say amen at the end of a prayer. Uh, Even though we use that word these days as kind of like signing off, you know. (laughs) I can go home and eat now. Yeah. uh, (laughs) It's actually more appropriate and more accurate for other people to say amen when you're done praying. But so the the idea of that then is that as you pray, you ought to be mindful of using words that they would understand, you know. Uh, So oftentimes when I pray at church, I'm very mindful about that, that, you know, we've got a wide range of ages who are there in the service We've got you know a wide range of biblical knowledge represented among these people, and so I try as hard as I can not to use really fancy language um, that you know some people just wouldn't be able to track with. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, you know, when you think about private prayer, uh, it's uh, it's kind of a different ball game in that sense. Yeah. You know, you 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 speak whatever the Lord puts on your heart and mind. Uh, it can be sloppy. It can, uh, you know, sometimes be a deeply emotional experience where you know you might find yourself just unable to form the words mm-hmm. that uh, you, you're trying to get out, but because of you know the, the 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 sorrow or the grief or whatever it might be that's associated with those requests or those thoughts at the time, it just it just might be difficult. Yeah, think about you think about someone like David and his prayers or his yeah. laments to yeah. God are very aggressive and you know, very upset at times. And that is definitely how we can, we can feel. So it's okay to get into your private prayers. Mm-hmm. Just come out of your room sweating and sorry, it's just brain. <laughs> um, let's see. Did you have any thoughts? Oh, what do you have a question? I kind of wanted you to switch. You look like you had something brewing. I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit and I didn't really prepare you for this at all very well, Ooh. but, uh, but I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, advice you and generation. And then within that, the use of social media and how, you know, how should, you know, Zoomers kind of navigate those, um, those things. And I mean, how do we use them properly? And how do, I mean, within social media, how do we, you know, be, oh, what's the term? Is it in the world, but not of the world? Yeah. You know, I mean, how do we kind of navigate that? Yeah, man, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, that, that was kind of the next big piece of advice I was going to, to give. Just be mindful about how you use technology. And, you know, certainly being involved in social media would be part of that. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that I believe Generation Z is doing a better job of realizing is that social media is not the full scope of reality. You know, that generally speaking, people only put the best of themselves out on social media. Um, Although you do run into those folks who, (laughs) man, they just live their whole life on social media. (laughs) There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. But generally speaking, uh, you, you know, people only put out maybe the happier moments and that sort of thing on social media. Um, well, one thing I might say about that, uh, before I offer some other thoughts on technology in general would just be to be extremely mindful of how the medium affects the message in other words, the the medium, okay, the social media channel that you're trying to use or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, how that influences any message that you try to share. Uh, I'll mention Twitter as a perfect example of that, or X, X. these days. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> trendy. Show show that I am I am still kind of up on technology things. Oh, yeah. you know, you're not a boomer. Sure. You're not a boomer. Quite. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, that, that of course, and it's changed a little bit as time has gone by, but that, of course, has always been intended to be a brief statement, brief reaction kind of platform, you know, uh-huh. especially when it first got started and you were limited to like 120 characters or something right. like that. Yeah, very but, limited. And, and you, just, you just think about how much those constraints influence anything that you try to say on there yeah it has to be very concise with those 120 word 120 characters it does and and oftentimes then your statement kind of gets published out there without any larger context to it Mm -hmm. which becomes extremely problematic when other people are trying to understand what you're saying but then it just becomes even more problematic when people react yeah. to what you were saying. And especially when they react in ways that aren't very generous, don't give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so I mean, social media can be valuable 
as a way of spreading information, but it has a lot of pitfalls to it too. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I, I've really, I've mentioned this to some people recently about about X, and I'm just appalled at the way that Christians interact on that platform. Um, I, and, and lots of Christian leaders that I respect. I don't know what happens to them when they log on to that. It's like their graciousness gets checked at the door. And all of a sudden, they're just so eager to pounce on other brothers in the Lord. And part of it, of course, is because the whole world of social media is driven so much by the hot take. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and if you're gonna if you're gonna have much of a following on social media at all, there's just never ending pressure to give your instant reaction about everything. Yeah. You just have to be constantly putting out content. And uh you know, Proverbs I think warns us against constantly uh, spewing out whatever comes to our minds <laughs> without many times, about it. many times, and so you know, obviously there are, there are the benefits to social media, but there are just a lot of pitfalls too. Um, uh, but maybe to go a little more general on technology, I would really encourage people in Gen Z to try as much as you can to step back and take an objective look at how much technology has shaped your life. You know, someone like me, I'm still able to remember what my life was like without technology, you know, (laughs) without uh, a smartphone that was with me everywhere. You were PG, you were, you were pre Google. I was, I was. Yep. I, I, I didn't even have, the internet in my house uh, until I went off to college. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, that's how old I am, I guess. But yeah, you know, now I really do sound like a cranky old man. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not. But I, I would really encourage people in Gen Z to try to take an objective look at how much technology has shaped the way that you think, uh, how much it has shaped what your expectations are um, because people people in my generation do do kind of you know look at technology habits among younger people and i i think we feel some legit concern um, and, and 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 many of those things have uh, become habits of our own as well uh-huh. in, in my generation. We're certainly not immune to any of that. Yeah. So um, now don't get, you know, don't get the crazy idea to stop listening to this podcast or anything like that. <laughs> Do but not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But beyond that, try to step back and take an objective look at how technology impacts you. So, so how would I, how would I go about that? How, how would I step back and look at how the technology has been affecting me in the way that I see the world. Yeah, so, you know, taking some kind of lengthy break from technology would be a valuable way to start. Um, You know, whether that's paring down the number of social media accounts that you have to a bare minimum, um, whether that is forcing yourself to you know leave your phone behind somewhere for a while and go out and spend some time in solitude um seeking accountability with others is also a good way to do that get together and express hey here are my goals for how I would like to use this technology and so you know uh yeah. seeking accountability for that, but you know, in almost any way, in any way that you could change up the routine that you currently have and follow some other routine for some stretch of time would be a helpful way for you to sort of get a sense of how 
you know, that previous routine was how, how, how it perhaps was healthy, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it probably had its healthy elements to it, but how it may have been unhealthy. And yeah, kind of breaking out of that routine for some period gotcha. of time is about the only way to do that. I think that Jonathan Jonathan Pakluda put put it really well when he was talking about habits that we form, whether it is social media. I don't know the whole saying, but essentially removing this from your everyday routine once a month yearly. And his point to that was to make sure, even if it's a good habit, even if it's something like drinking coffee, you know, for some people is that something that's mastering you? We don't want to be mastered by anything but but Christ, by, by God. And should this, if it's removed from my life, should it really have this large of effect on me? No, probably not. That shows how big of a grip it does have on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing I thought of, um, one of the people that I listen to a lot is Dave Ramsey. I like Dave. Um but freedom. <laughs> there are things I disagree with him and things I agree with him on. Uh, but what he, he was talking in regards to Gen Z, there is a lot of negative talk from older people about Gen Z. It's like, this is, you know, this is worse than my generation was worse than this. <laughs> Just bad, bad, bad. And he's like, these are the people that I've hired from Gen Z have been some of the most amazing employees I've had. And he said, I had to realize one important Thing that was different about them from their younger or from their older counterparts is that they needed to know why they were doing something. They needed a purpose. When you, a lot of generally speaking, when you told a boomer or somebody that was younger than a boomer that they needed to do something, they just did it because they were told to. And that's healthy for a certain amount of time, but to give somebody a purpose for why they're doing what they're doing, you can understand the essence of it rather than just understanding the task. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. Yep. And so I, I think there's a lot of negative, not a lot of negative talk about Gen Z, but there's some really important things about this generation that are healthy. Maybe some negative things that flipped on their head could be very healthy. I think there's a lot of hope and don't want to be, we don't want to be uh, people that are just, do like saying that things are just getting worse and worse and worse because there are there are really bright spots in these in this generation yeah i think uh sorry to cut you off there but i think you know that that kind of reminds me of jesus revolution that movie you know that shows the you know the older pastor there that was like i just don't understand this generation you know and then uh lonnie comes in you know with with his mistakes throughout i'm not gonna dive into that any but kind of shows him like hey look you know you have a generation that's searching for Christ and the things of Christ, but they're just searching in the wrong places. And I think that in the same, that's kind of, you know, in the same way that's kind of in our generation too, it's like, man, we're looking for stuff. We want stuff to, we want things that that feel important to us, but but I think our generation is just looking in the wrong places for that. Just need to guide them in the correct direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like you both have mentioned, it's just learning about other people. That's the real key. Uh-huh. Uh, you, learning what makes them tick. You know, why why do they demonstrate the the habits that they do? And uh, you know th- th- that's that's really a great reference there, Max, to uh, Jesus Revolution and all that because we do have to remember that every generation is still just a group of people who are made in the image of God. Yeah, and so. You know that uh, that reality is going to be there, no matter how you know it might be expressed differently and in minor ways. Uh, you know all th- that basic humanity is still there, mm-hmm. and you just have to be willing to get to to know someone in a different generation to kind of learn what makes them tick. Yeah, and, and I feel like we've maybe talked a lot about maybe. Not necessarily, but maybe people outside of the church. Let's focus more. Let's now focus more on people Generation Z within the church. Um, what advice would you give? There's so many ad- pieces of advice I'm sure you could give to uh, to them. But what pieces of advice would you give to 
this generation that's trying to find their place in church, trying to find where they can serve, but maybe is just struggling a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think as far as as life within the church, one thing that I would say would be to show a willingness to to use your spiritual gifts, um, to put your own interests and talents and strengths to work, uh, because that is a tremendously inspiring thing for older generations. Yeah. They get so excited when they see people in younger generations expressing an interest to use their talents, use their gifts, because, you know, some of these saints, uh, they have labored in their church for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they, they understand that their, their time is limited. Uh, you know, they've got fewer days ahead of them than the days that are behind them. And so they're naturally starting to think, what's going to happen to this, uh, you know, th- this thing that I love when, when I'm gone? Is it still going to carry on? Is it going to be healthy? And so when they see people in the younger generation uh, stepping up, showing an interest in in ministering within the church, it's just tremendously inspiring. Yeah. I, I think maybe to broaden that a little bit into thinking about how Christian young people need to be prepared in terms of society... I would say that you need to count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Be prepared to suffer insults for his name because that reality seems to be present with us more and more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, barring a gracious work from the Lord, uh, maybe on the level of, you know, the Jesus revolution kind of revival or something, barring something like that, it, it appears that the, the challenges toward Christians are just going to continue to grow. And so you've got to be prepared to be unpopular for the sake of Christ. Yeah, that kind of... I just want to kind of maybe touch on one more thing, and that kind of goes along with what you were just talking about, is is what's one or a couple of the biggest pitfalls that you see for us Gen Z Christians coming up in the faith, you know, looking forward to the next 20, 30, 40 years? Well, this is one that is not at all unique to Gen Z, uh, but it's just... It's something that every generation struggles with as they're coming of age. And that would just be the reality of wanting change to happen instantly and immediately. You know, it's not hard at all for the next generation coming up to see the faults and the flaws of the generations ahead of them. Uh-huh. That's been true for for every generation. It, it's not hard to see those faults, those flaws. It's not hard to see things that might need to be changed. What's not always easy to understand is why those changes might not be able to come as quickly as we would like them to. Yeah. And so pushing for change too quickly is a perpetual temptation for every generation. Um, it, it is for Gen Z, just like it was for my generation, uh, for the generations before me. So watch out for that. You know, do be patient because, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the first quality that's mentioned in the scriptural definition of love, right? Yeah. Love is patient. Patient, yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to express love toward that older generation that, that might, you know, they, they might have their hands on the levers of power right now. They might be, you know, the office holders in the church or whatever. 
if if you want to express love toward them, it involves patience, uh, and 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 so that that would be one thing. Um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that Generation Z might be poised to avoid this this next pitfall I'll mention, um, but it is one that you need to be aware of, and, and that is just the almost worship of the individual in our society, where the the wants of the individual are enthroned, you know, at, at almost every turn. And, you know, we see so many fruits of that in our culture. Uh, but I, I think that I think that's been exaggerated in some ways by some of the technologies that we have at our disposal. You know, you all don't even have to wait for a TV show to come on at a certain time anymore, you know? You no just, way. Everything's on demand, right? I mean, hey, it wasn't always like that, man. I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons, okay? That's true, that's true. Yeah, you guys have... You guys have had a taste of that. We've lived you know. it all. We were we were pre-streaming <laughs> services. Yes. These new kids just don't get it. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, these kids these days, kids, man, I'm telling you. They don't know how yeah. rough my childhood yeah. was. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, one thing we can kind of use to wrap up, the importance of, say, whether it's going off to college or moving out of the house and finding that own church, making that faith your own, can you talk about how to go through those steps of soul searching to find this faith? Hopefully you've already started doing this while you're in the house, but yeah, I think yeah. more often, sometimes it's just not always the case for people. How to find that faith, make it my own, whether you've accepted or not, but making it apart from your parents now because you're not being forced to go anywhere or take your faith seriously. And then from there, finding a church family that... Um, that's gonna build. That's gonna build you up, and that you can build up and, and really see yourself uh, growing in. How do you, how do you find something like that? Yeah, you know, I, I think the first thing I mentioned, I, I would mention along those lines, would be kind of like I said earlier with Bible study and prayer. Seeing the value in that, seeing the value in you know continuing to be involved in a community of believers. Uh, seeing the value in continuing to nurture your faith, even though, yeah, you know, mom and dad might, might not be right on top of you, dragging you out of bed on Sunday morning anymore to uh, to get to church. But definitely continue to prioritize the fellowship of believers uh, as you're trying to, yeah, you'll make your faith your own, so to speak. It is very important to remember that in very significant ways, the faith is not a private thing. And so, you know, make it, make it a real point to continue to seek to grow within a community of believers. Mm -hmm. And then one, one thing I'll, I'll mention as far as maybe trying to find that new community. Let's yeah. say you move to a new town uh, to go to to go to college or whatever it is, uh, you know, you go off and and get a job somewhere. You're you're now living in a different place, and all of a sudden, you have you have a decision in front of you, right? Okay, where am I going to go to church? Maybe one of the best things that you could do would be, uh, okay, here's a positive use of technology, right? Hop online, find out the churches that even exist in your area, check them out get some basic facts about them online and then kind of narrow it down to a list of maybe four or five churches that, you know, you've already seen their doctrinal statement. You're like, okay, yeah, I know I'm going to be comfortable with what they're saying to me. And then from that list of four or five churches, take about a month at each one of those churches don't just go once and try to draw conclusions about you know what this church is all about just mm -hmm. from being there one time yeah. because you might end up with a very skewed impression of you know what that church is really all about uh, i i would hate for someone to evaluate 
for example, like my whole preaching ministry just based off of one sermon <laughs> that I delivered because, uh, yeah, that, that, that'd be kind of scary because, you know, I would. <laughs> uh, so, you know, take a, take a month, pick one of those churches off your list, go to everything that that church offers for you during that month. You know, all, all the services that you can, midweek gatherings, groups, whatever it might be, everything that you can make it to in that month. And then next month, all right, check out the next one. Um, also, though, tell the pastor at the first church what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah, cl- clue him in on this. Darn it. So, you know, lost another one. Yeah, because if, if you just, you know, aren't showing up, after that month where, you know, you were showing up at everything, uh, that's going to be a real head-scratcher for that poor pastor if you don't communicate with him. It comes him, from so. a pastor, so I, I think yeah. you understand. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just take some time to try to really uh, get a good feel and good sense gotcha. of... And, and And also, be on the lookout for how you might be able to contribute to that church with right. your spiritual gifts and, and your talents. Because, you know, uh, eventually that's something that you ought to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so be on the lookout for that already. And, you know, you might you might come to see, yeah, you know, this this looks like a a church where my particular strengths, my spiritual gifts are kind of in need right now. You know, maybe maybe I could, you know, with time make a big difference here. Yeah. What's funny, you talk about technology and finding a church. We just had a guy uh, come to my church in Wichita the other day. One of the uh, leaders of the church walks him into Sunday school and says, this is the first guy who came to church because he said he found our church on ChatGPT. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That was like a realization moment of the times that we're living in. Oh, yeah. Like People are using AI to find churches. I'm glad they found a glorifying way to use this technology. But Oh, man. <laughs> find a church for me. Yeah. <laughs> Gives a list of 10 good ones. Huh? Um, well, Max, did you have anything else on that was on your mind? So search your brain for about 10 seconds. All right, he has nothing left to say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank no, I'm all right. All right, good. Tim, once again, thank you for joining us today yeah. on the podcast tonight on the podcast. It was a uh, it was an honor once again, and we look forward to doing this sometime in the future. Yes, yes. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no awesome. problem. Well, peace out. Peace out. Basic, Basic family. family. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Christian Campfire Conversations. I'll see you next week. <laughs>